right, welcome to Sound Engagement. We are finally having part two of our discussion of cynical theories. Woohoo! <laughs> all of our <laughs> all of our listeners have been just anxiously waiting, wondering, are we ever going to get to part two? Yeah, and, no, uh, I'm actually really excited. Well, I think it actually, I think it also comes at a perfect time. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see, uh, I don't know if you, I want to tell our viewers, uh, Quillette is now canceled from Facebook. And if y'all don't serious? know it, yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be a very important time. Quillette is a free speech, uh, very center, not even center, yeah. right? Um, you know, they have, uh, a lot of, they just, they're dedicated all to free speech. They've, um, it was started about five years ago by an Australian group, but you cannot find their group on Facebook. So they're, tr they're purely, uh, they're only going to be supported by, uh, donors. Um, wow. so if you get a chance, go to quillette.com, support them. Um, it's really, really kind of some scary times, you know, what we're living in right now. Um, you know, the, this is, they're, they're really going after a lot of people. If you disagree, um, have a different turn and we're going to hopefully talk about why that may be the case, right. um, because they're, Yeah. I'm excited about chapter two. Yeah, no, this was a good chapter to explain mm. how how really postmodernism became um, an activist or a tool for activism. I think that's really kind of their their aim in this chapter. No, well, and also today's chapter is, is talking about postmodernism's applied turn, applied turn. Right. So yeah, we could talk about talk about that yeah. like, last time we, yeah, we talked about the theory in general, but today is going to be talking about how. Because the the point of this is that postmodernism kind of died off, and then theory pop propped up, right? And that's kind of the main point of this of this chapter. So, did, so what I, is applied postmodernism? Yeah, applied. Well, yeah. So, so postmodernism kind of died. I mean, its main main thesis of postmodernism is just going to be, in the words of Robin DiAngelo, that there's no objective or no no objective neutral reality. Um, so, the denial of the objective reality would be it you know, for postmodernism. So you have a um, myriad of intellectuals from uh, Michel Foucault uh, to Lyotard to uh, Jacques, Jacques Derrida, I think it pronounces right now, Lakin, who um, really kind of right around the 1960s and 70s started to kind of branch off and started to have this, they take this kind of radical skepticism of postmodernism because postmodernism wasn't necessarily offering um, it was starting to kind of die out in some of the philosophy departments. So they wanted to go from uh, from what is to what is ought. So applied term, yeah. uh, they go from the is to the ought. And what they mean by that is that don't focus on what is because there there is a blurring of conceptual boundaries, such as between health and sickness or truth and belief. You know, there's, there's really the blurring of the boundaries, the number one, number two, yeah. uh, the power of language to construct reality. In other words, my language is is the important part of how I construct reality, which is why I can constantly move the go 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 posts, kind of like mm -hmm. you know, let me I'm going to change the verb of racism mm -hmm. to mean, you know, I'm going to make it mean a noun in this case, or or vice versa, <laughs> you know, and it always exists. Um, racialized, you know, racialized, yeah, and then cultural Adjective. relativism, and then the loss of the individual. So all of that goes from don't worry so much about the is because you can't necessarily put your the minute you kind of set things mm. set something in in stone this is what um uh some of the uh militarized feminists were were uncomfortable well about like uh, judith butler she right. was even uncomfortable with the term postmodernism she was more concerned about what you ought to do um right. rather than what is 
So that's applied postmodernism is is what social justice, what we're talking about. Yeah. A lot of the intersectionality, a lot of the racism that we're talking about today, like the the, the yeah. activism, the A is you know, um, the A is for activism kind of book out there, you know, that's that's for actually for children. Activism, well, activism, activism. Yeah. So that's a good overview really of this chapter, basically a kind of a summary because it it is it is dealing with uh with all of those things. I kind of want to get to them in a in a moment as well, but I I wanted to swing back around to that first, uh, I think it's page 46, where he says that, um, where they say that a diverse set of highly politicized and actionable theories developed out of postmodernism proper. So it's a, a diverse set of highly politicized and actionable theories. It was basically trying to take postmodernism and, and, and bring it to the street, right? Bring it to an actionable uh, approach to, to these various um you know, challenges of oppression or of just political or social injustices that, that we're seeing. So that's really kind of the basic definition of a, of applied postmodernism is taking yeah. it and applying it to injustice, to social mm. injustice or perceived social injustice. And um, really what, what we've come to is now we see that postmodernism has become social justice, right? Yeah. And that's, essentially what they're saying is it's gone from the ivory tower of the academic philosophers in France or wherever, right? Where whoever was taking this and, and, and discussing it academically. And now it's brought it to the streets to say, what can we do socially and politically to fight the oppression? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a fantastic boy, which is why I sometimes I got in a debate recently with somebody and he said, well, you know, when you're debating somebody over LGBT activism or black lives matter, for example, well, Peter, you get too heady, and most of the people that you talk to on the street, they have no idea who Derrida is. And I think you're, you're, you know, you almost have a curse of knowledge here. And it was a good, it was a good point, you know, he made. But then, it actually, that's exactly what applied point, um, postmodernism is trying to do. You, they don't uh, because um, it's it's preachy, <laughs> you know. Right. This is the radical uh, element of it. I mean, the first principle is that society, the the first belief, it's almost like in a belief structure, you must believe that, you know, Jesus is the son of God. Okay. We believe that we think it's true. Um, or, you know, Muhammad is the prophet I'm reading the Quran right now. <laughs> so in this, in this case, it's, you have to believe just one thing and just one thing mm -hmm. really. And then you can, you can go out and you can be an activist. And that is that you have to believe that society is formed into, what do they call it? Like systems of power and hierarchies, right? Yeah. Which decide what can be known and how once you so believe that, that once you believe that you're, you're gold, you're gold. I mean, it's because yep. then you could look everywhere, you know, and I, I get in this when I'm, when, whether I'm teaching or I'm talking to somebody that wants to do social activism, that is their main assumption. Who are right. you a white? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. White man no, is saying this to me. <laughs> I was just going to say that's, that's precisely what they want to say. Mm -hmm. They, they kind of reject the um, objective truth, except for that one. Right. That's the one objective truth that yeah. we all must, we just assume it's a reality and mm. therefore we can work from there. So postmodernism otherwise is, is still kind of applied in the sense that we, we are skeptical, highly radically skeptical about uh, knowledge and beliefs and where they come from. Right. So yeah. 
the next page, he, he says, theory, mm. uh, I keep saying he, but it's they, the authors, Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay, they say, mm. theory, therefore, you're so, you're, so you're so sexist. I know, I am. <laughs> theory, therefore, explicitly <laughs> aims to critically examine discourses. This means mm. something specific. It means to examine them closely so as to expose and disrupt the political power dynamics it assumes are baked into them so that people will be convinced to reject them and initiate an ideological revolution. So that's that's that mm -hmm. one assumption we start with is that political power uh, is is baked into the fabric of society, the the grid uh, that crosses every sphere. The reason why they often want to deconstruct is because you've they've they feel very uncomfortable that somebody like you know if you're if you're a straight white male you've had so many years of the power of language and what your assumption is is that somebody that is a like a foreigner or an immigrant or somebody who's black that may have been once a slave or maybe gay who is in a cis normative culture for example the way they would call it you're the one that has actually owned language for all these years and right. now we have to deconstruct language so they can be kind of part on equal footing with you. So it really started with, say, for example, Kimberly Crenshaw and, and her idea of, right. um, you know, intersectionality. And like we had Greg uh, Lukianoff, I mean, he made Lukianoff, a really great point. Yeah, yeah that that um, <clears throat> that she was right on some of her claims that you could be a black female that not just be um, prejudiced against as a female, but also you could have prejudice, you know, um, you could have prejudice against you as a black as a black person. And so I guess I'm saying all that because once you <clears throat> once you go there, you then just start your job is then just to constantly deconstruct, right? Um, it's you know uh, from from this kind of to to develop this kind of new community, you know, of identity out that that you could then kind of uh, dispense with other identities that are trying to push their objective claims on top of you. So, I mean, that's uh, from a, from a bird's eye view, that's really where they're coming from. And yeah. so anything you say is, is going to work, is going to be worked against you, especially based on your, based on your, if you're higher on the spectrum per se. Based on your identity. Yeah. You know, I, let's just going back the, the, when, when you were talking about the women's studies that they were doing. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. The reference there was to uh, initially they they were just critical Marxists cr uh, critiquing mm. the view that basically uh, uh, the oppression of women or the status of women is really based upon Western patriarchy. That's largely an extension of capitalism. That's literally uh, what it says there on page 53. And so then Foucault famously rejected that top-down understanding of power in favor of a society permeating grid produced by discourses. So, th so then I, the idea, I think the way you could explain that is that capitalism would be termed sexist by Marx, but uh, Foucault would say capitalism permeates every sphere of society. And, and now, now it impacts not just, you know, it in fact impacts everything. The, the other thing I wanted to point out on this from the, in that section on kind of the uh, where they talked about applying the inapplicable recognition that categories and this is you talked about this earlier that the recognition that certain categories are required in order to critique the kind of the oppressed uh, you know the oppressing class um and so if it's white male you know wealthy 
Western man, you know, like that, that has to be critiqued. So you can recognize that category in order to critique it, but, but really, um, beyond that, you don't define, you don't want to define categories. Uh, in fact, I think one of the, it was Judith Butler, right. That said, yeah, you, yeah. Right. you don't define, um, we have to define the sexes as male and female, but we don't want to define gender. We want to leave gender extremely fluid and, and address that. So that, that allows them to then critique, yeah, you know, the male center, the patriarch, yeah, patriarchy. Right. Yeah, which is why I, I, I was trying not to jump ahead with the post, but the the book actually through fifty two fifty three talks about post colonialism first, and then it talks about LGBT and the Judith Butler how she talks about, um, you know, even the whole gender uh, gender performity performativity, which is mm -hmm. just basically behaviors and speech that are quote gendered on this person's reality. The fact that I speak loud and you know puff my chest or whatnot, and I tell my son to you know not wine. That would be an example of like, you know, son, I want you to perform on a particular level um, where I might be a little softer with my little girl, hold her, yeah. you know, tighter and say, it's okay, sweetie, may comfort her with her fears. She would say, okay, that's, that's, you're just, all you're doing, Peter, is you're just performing. And right. that's why she was really, she, she wanted to be very political active because she saw that as a sense of oppression. And she worked mm -hmm. on two levels, firstly, by referring to reality effects and then these, she would call them cultural fictions. These are fictions. How she knew there was fiction, I don't know. This is the problem with <laughs> postmodernism. I mean, it constantly, it never, it never actually solves its original assumption. You know, it's like, where did you, how did you figure that out? So anyway, I don't want to yeah. just, I don't want to beat a, you know, dead horse. I don't want to take cheap well, shots here, but it's true. Right. It's true. I don't want to take a cheap, cheap, uh, cheap shot, but at the same time, I still want to point that out. And then oh, secondly, yeah. because the queer, is understood to be that which falls outside of categories. Correct, the, que yeah. the queer is really kind of like the free person. You know, I didn't say man or female. <laughs> it's um because they're the ones that actually fall completely outside any kind of category by themselves, used to define male or female. And I've yes. met queer. I've met queer people who go, you know, biological male will go into female bathrooms, dress up in a dress, but if you but may have sexual relations with a female. And I'm like, well, you know, talk to me about that. Well, I'm not, I'm not gay. This is my attraction, but I'm going to, I'm, this person would constantly like stand outside of the categories that was wow. supposedly, you know, defined by them, by his parents or religious community and whatnot. And that's, Butler was really kind of pushing for that. And that was the free person. And we're seeing that even today, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure you're, I'm sure our listeners can think of millions of examples where that's kind of being defined. How it's sure. uh, where sexuality is now being defined. Um, it's more than just gay versus, you know, when I was growing up, it's either gay or hetero. It's not, and that even that she would be very uncomfortable with because mm. now you're putting categories even amongst gay men, for example. So really, um, yeah, it's, uh, kinda... and those who, those who are in those kind of fluid categories or undefined, not strictly categorized, uh, then in order to liberate them from that oppression, they, you have to keep definitions vague. You have to keep things kind of ambiguous, yeah. right? In order to allow them to in, involve themselves in the conversation, I guess. Uh, we can even turn there now, page 59 and 60. Um, it says the idea of this modern postmodern knowledge principle that radical skepticism about whether objective knowledge or truth is obtainable and a commi commitment to cultural constructivism. So 
here they say, yeah, largely that's that's held true. Like they they have a radical skepticism about objective knowledge or truth, except the one thing that we said, right, is that mm. uh, is that identity and oppression based on identity are treated as known features of objective reality. So the one objective truth you can stand on is that uh, that oppression is based on identity. And we, we know who the oppressors are based on just the category that they belong to, right? <laughs> um, hmm. and, then, and then you have the uh, political principle, which was dismantle the system uh, in, in the name of social justice. So dismantle all the, the, the grid of society, deconstruct it all in the name of social justice in order to bring about right, um, a, a more fair and equitable society. So- yeah, and to contextualize that, you know, Biden's um, town hall meeting, um, you know, was really kind of fascinating at one point because he was very, very uncomfortable to bring up the Muslims that are being slaughtered in China. And his exact words were, well, it was pure cultural relativism. I mean, it was like, well, I'm uncomfortable condemning him too much because we come from different cultures. So even Biden, our, our own wow. president, was, was radi is offering radical skepticism, which is one of the reasons why you'll have like, queer like um queers for palestine which is an actual group right palestine is probably one of the most um oppressive countries in the world right now against um uh gays and lesbians um tel aviv is one of the freest and yet they're queers for palestine against israel it's just kind of like it doesn't make any sense at all i mean there's a complete cognitive dissonance which is why you will have biden saying i he doesn't want to condemn the slaughter of Muslims because it's a totally different culture. And you have to show radical skepticism of, about objective truth. And this is why you'll often have people completely um, where, where I think, you know, the people that will allow certain religions that are ex very anti-gay, for example, but mm -hmm. they're allowed in because I can't quote, I have to be radical about my skepticism of knowing whether or not what you're saying is whether or not I have quote the truth because you're not, because my first knowledge is that you were never part of the discussion, therefore come on in. It's like this, mm -hmm. and then I like what, yeah, because then after that, it leads to the political principle, which is making sure that your voice always kind of is equal to mine. But you think about that, just um, as, long as, this, as long as the hierarchies and powers are constantly destroyed, but replaced with what, you know? And that's- right. Well, the, the they they do go on to the four key themes that you've yeah. you've mentioned as well. The blurring of boundaries, which ultimately comes out in political, um, you know, uh, in this political principle as mm. elevating lived experience as evidence. Right. So we can now tell our story, and that's yeah. all the proof you need to see the oppression. Um, there's no, you know, once you start dealing dealing with data and statistics, now you're using. Um, you're coming from a knowledge base that's de defined and been determined by the white Western male. The second theme is the power of language, which we did actually talk about this with Greg. Um, we talked about the coddling the American mind and word as violence. That book is excellent on this topic. Um, mm -hmm. Just, and I would say even you can refer to your last interview with Cynthia last week on um, trigger with Cynthia Myersburg on trigger warning. The idea that. Yeah. Yeah, the way we respond to violent words is with potentially physical violence. That's how it was in, for instance, Berkeley, uh, when M M Milo, 
Yianopolis yeah, or something, yeah, right. went and spoke there. They they were like, he's a violent, his words are violence and they're doing harm to people. So therefore we're going to physically harm those who are promoting him. It, was just, it turned into a riot. Now, of course, not everyone held to that, but I mean, it became a, a massive riot on campus. Um, you have- well, and so also yeah, and if I could add this too, I mean, that's exactly why people are feeling fully justified to totally ruin people's reputation, you know. Right. And uh, but I feel justified mainly because of this discourse analysis and these microaggressions and these trigger warnings that, mm. how yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, so that's yeah. you just you just labeled them all. You got safe mm. spaces, microaggressions, trigger warnings. That that really um, is how postmodernism is applied in that theme: the power of language. Mm. And you have the third theme of cultural relativism, which they just basically focus on intersectionality and saying it permeates right. uh, everything. Now it's become a widespread thing within social justice and as an assumption that those who have the greatest le level of intersectionality have the greatest authority to speak in a situation. Let's just do the fourth theme real quick. And that is the loss of individual and the universal. And there yeah. they just say the, yeah. they've got to emphasize identity politics. Right. And um, identity categories become dominant and therefore individuals and universal categories get removed. Um, yeah. And there's a lot. You know, it's funny. I'm teaching child development. And one of the one of the theories um, is talks about the kind of was talk, talking about a little bit earlier about um, the meso and the intra, the interpersonal and then the intra intra and then mm -hmm. interpersonal. And uh, they've proven through this theory that. The meso theory is 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 rarely as effective as what goes on in the interpersonal, and these are just they they, didn't, they weren't even kind of playing with these games or, or whatnot. When you look a lot to the science, when you look at a, you know when it comes to the the sovereignty of the individual, this this kind of hits home for me. The how postmodernism wants to lose the individual and the universal. I mean, I became really concerned about a lot of this stuff because I I am a clinician and I do hear people's individual stories. And the group or the family dynamic or the culture that they were kind of a part of never explained them in a very succinct or helpful or even applicable way that did justice to their own needs and desires or what their wants are or what the, and how they clinically got better and improved. Yeah, we can we can come close to wrapping this up here. But I thought um, on page 62, there's this this kind of where he takes um he gives us an example of applied postmodernism and he says this, I keep saying he, uh, she, they, and he, sure. <laughs> Z, I'll say Z. <laughs> Z says, uh, or, this carries you know, yeah, we could, Hey, Gino Carano or bebop, right. you know, protect her, man. Yeah. She's our hero now. So she's, 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 awesome. A, she's awesome. All right. So yeah, he, they, they say if, if what we accept as true is only accepted as such, because the discourses of straight white, wealthy Western men have been privileged, then applied theory indicates this can be challenged by empowering marginalized identity groups and insisting their voices take precedence. So I don't know if you've seen this in, in your uh, field, mm -hmm. like in, in, cause now he, they're talking about applying it in the studies, right? So social studies, uh, social justice scholarship. And, and this is where they get into research justice. And if, if we're going to critique an, uh, the oppressing class, then we've got to remove their voice. We've got to eliminate their theory, you know, and, and like at least their ability to expound upon it and elevate 
the voices of the minorities and the oppressed and start to, you know, basically promote uh, their work. So he go, they give this alarming proposal demands that scholars preferentially cite women and minorities and minimize citations of white Western men because empirical research that values knowledge production rooted in evidence and reasoned argument is an unfairly privileged cultural construct of white Westerners. So it takes this objective idea of a theory or a, a knowledge and, you know, hey, whoever's teaching it, if it's true, it's true. That's not what they they accept. They know mm -hmm. if, if it's a white person teaching it, then, then they're only perpetuating a... Uh, you know, like an it, like an oppressive worldview. Yeah. It becomes so, a genetic fallacy all over again. Yeah, and the ad hominem, like wh wh who you are and where you came from, invalidates you. Well, what's really like, interesting too, you know, I was just listening to Jordan Peterson's review of uh, with Gad Sad, and it was really good. And Gad Sad talks about how this is like a parasite. When you think of the um, the uh, uh, his example is the um, uh, the wasp, the spider wasp, who stings the spider. And while mm -hmm. the spider is still alive and then puts it in its nest and lays babies. And while the spider is alive, it's getting eaten by its, all of its babies. It will all zombified. And he says, this is, this is the, because the thing about these, these studies that are going on, there is no peer review. There is no objective to kind of critique. I guess the, the point is, is that, you know, peer review and objectivity is actually very, really important to kind of reach some kind of unified, unified theme and so the reason why he calls it a parasite is that it's just, it makes you zombified because there's no way to falsify your own interpretation by just, by just conforming evidence or alternative explanations. It's just one way or the, you know, and it, um, scholars, yeah, sc oh. scholars can just openly declare themselves to be activists and not have an ounce. That's what's really kind of fascinating about this chapter when he keeps going on. You could be, you could be a, a militarized feminist, gender queer activist and not have one in in 12 years of school not take one class on the scientific on on the scientific method on why your why your papers need to be through peer evaluation which is astounding mm -hmm. to me and uh, i think it's this is this is such a relevant book this is such a good mm -hmm. book to 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 be going over right now because i do think we are we are going to we're entering a phase especially with biden's administration i'm going to say something political but um, he's already, you know, putting up, um, anti-racism rhetoric. Um, my own field right now, um, is, uh, has a training next week on anti-racism where I'm likely going to have to be just to maintain my license. I'm going to have to, um, not adhere to, but it take a training through, um, I don't, I don't know about my license now, but you know, we don't know. This is really relevant. It's not some kind of philosophy that's out there. It's in our schools. It's in our kindergarten classes and this isn't just me yeah. looking you know being conspiracy theorists it's anyway if you wanted to add on to that i didn't want to go too well, long no i'll just close with this in terms of what i'm seeing in the church is is the same that concept of elevating um minority voices minimizing the voices of so in this case like we're a reformed presbyterian um denomination and so all of that history, all of that theology comes from white Western thought, right? White, uh, white people, old dead white guys. And so what we're now, we've now actually introduced questions to incoming ordinate, you know, candidates, ordination candidates to ask them, 
if they're reading minority scholars, it, it, what who they're reading and how it's impacted their their understanding or the, their theology or how they're how they're using it. You know, it's like it's it's going to just get it, it doesn't end there right that's not that's just the beginning of some of this creep into every sphere right it's it's going to begin to question uh where our theories and our theology comes from um now hopefully if i were an ordination candidate and i said well i've read vody bakum on this topic or you know, like uh, it, hopefully that'll be allowed. Otherwise we're doing exactly what others are doing. And we're saying no diversity of thought. No, I don't want it just any minority. I want a minority who is woke, who has, who has a particular view of what the church should be doing in this case. So yeah. anyways, uh, that's, that, yeah. that's fairly blunt, but I think it's, yeah. it's a little bit, it's, we're on the, on the precipice. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Concerning times. Well,